So that capacity utilization factor needs to be taken into account, and it 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 is um, it is a very dynamic parameter. Today, you know, there is a perception, or you know, there is a kind of an impression that utilization is about fifteen percent, one five, uh, and it is expected to improve in the coming years as the number of EVs on road increases. Hi. I am uh, Shamashish Das. I am an independent consultant working with the World Bank and WRI India at present. And you are listening to the Understanding the Future podcast. Hello, everyone. I am Punit Gandhi. Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities at the National Institute of Urban Affairs, and welcome to the Season Three of Understanding the Future podcast. I have been working and studying in the field of sustainability and climate change for more than eight years, and I have realized that I have a lot of questions on how we can build cities in India that are more climate focused. With Understanding the Future podcast. I interact with experts, entrepreneurs, and government officials to understand what it takes to bring all the different solutions to the ground, as well as how can systemic changes be developed on ground. We will further anchor all the topics being discussed with different skill sets required. This will help us understand the future of cities and future of work in Indian context. If you are tuning in for the first time, do check out our previous episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the Climate Practitioners India Network, a members-led solutions-oriented platform for climate practitioners across India. And join it through the show notes. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the season three of Understanding the Future. I am your host, Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities. And today we have with us Shamashish Dash. He is working as an independent consultant with the World Bank Group and WRI. Today he will help us understand the topic of electric vehicle charging infrastructure in India. Welcome to the show, Shamashish. Thank you, thank you, Puneet, and thank you, uh, National Institute of Urban Affairs, for arranging this podcast. And I particularly like this uh, this theme, uh, understanding the future, because this is something. Uh, which you know, uh, we uh, as professionals should try to address, should try to demystify, and help in you know uh, on-ground implementation. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you so much for those kind words, and I do agree, and that's a, a whole reason that we have conceptualized this. And I find this topic very interesting now, specifically because we have. Come a long way with uh, electric vehicles in India as well, with uh, Fame One and Fame Two now in place, uh, and it's we can see the adoption of electrical vehicles as well. So I'll say uh, instead of going directly into electric vehicles, we'll try to go that what are the certain things that can possibly derail the whole electric vehicle scenario in India right now. So um, uh, let me share uh, some important statistics actually. to you know to uh, give a context so currently india has approximately about 1.3 million electric vehicles on the road uh, this is as per a written reply submitted uh, in the parliament recently but in comparison one can see that 
there is possibly less than uh, one charging point per 30 light duty. So light duty vehicles essentially refer to uh, two and three wheelers and even uh, certain classes of four wheelers actually. Okay, so there is less than one charging point per 30 light duty electric vehicles in India with the provision of about 1.5 kilowatt of charger power for each electric vehicle. These statistics are important because these electric vehicles, the electric mobility which we are you know, uh, talking about, they are essentially driven by batteries. And these batteries need to be charged periodically to, you know, to carry out smooth operation of the vehicles, right? And so the role of chargers is actually very important, very critical. And that's why this statistics is important. And these statistics, I mean, we will understand why this is important when I compare this uh, number with the global average. So if we see the global average, the ratio is about one charging point for, for 30 electric vehicles with a charger power position of about 2.5 kilowatt. So one, on one hand, we have one charging point for 30 electric vehicles, but globally currently it is one charging point for 10 electric vehicles. So that, that's a big gap. And charging infrastructure, we should understand that it is the backbone of electric mobility. So I think uh, in the, uh, to start with actually, the policymakers, regulators, and all stakeholders, city authorities, they should understand and appreciate that electric mobility is essentially based on a new technology platform, very different from ICE vehicles or conventional vehicles. So the infrastructure, which has been the lifeline for ICE vehicles, essentially the you know, oil refilling stations or fuel refilling stations, instead of this, traditional infrastructure, we need a new breed of infrastructure, which is essentially charging infrastructure, which will cater to the charging demand of India's electric vehicle stock. And unless we provide a large network of visible, accessible and affordable charging points to the public, EV adoption cannot really pick up to our desired level. I mean, we have seen, you know, traction and momentum in EV adoption, but to continue that momentum, to, to drive the EV adoption in the next, say, 20, 30 years, we need a large network of public charging infrastructure. Uh, you might have heard in your previous uh, sessions that uh, often we talk about a term called range anxiety. What is range anxiety? It is essentially a fear of not being able to reach one's destination. So there is this range anxiety while using an electric vehicle due to one limited uh, and uncertain range of an electric vehicle. So what is again, what is range of an electric vehicle? It is the ability of an electric vehicle to travel a distance, to, to simply put actually. Okay, so there is uncertainty on, on this ability of the electric vehicle to, to travel a certain distance. And from this, actually, the range anxiety, you know, emanates. And that's why 
charging infrastructure is important, which can only help. This is the only way to actually allay range anxiety. And several studies have seen that uh, range anxiety has been the most important factor uh, which a consumer considers at the time of EV purchase, actually. Okay. So it has, so one can say that availability of public charging infrastructure has a positive correlation with EV adoption. And a Wallbank study has recently found that building public charging infrastructure, making it affordable, uh, has, is, is more cost effective as well as it has a more profound impact on large scale EV adoption. And it is actually found to be a more effective way uh, than offering purchase subsidies to encourage EV adoption. So if you know the cities could allay the range anxiety from the mind of uh, the EV users or you know consumers, general consumers, uh, we can see EV uptake, a pickup in EV uptake. Otherwise, as you mentioned, that our country's journey uh, towards electric mobility may get threatened. No, absolutely. That's that's quite a lot of interesting points you've covered as well to help build up the base uh, for the topic. And uh, I do agree that it's uh, and this is I think charging infrastructure is one of the biggest uh, challenge in itself as well as the range anxiety part as well. And when we consider that, uh, and you have mentioned that we need to scale up to ten uh, EV vehicles per charging infrastructure as well, but we need to scale up that many chargers as well. But what is the assumption? Because our whole charging, uh, our whole fame is also making sure that we are promoting more of public transport and three wheelers and two wheelers and electric vehicles and four wheelers. So. What is the exact kind of charging demand that we are looking for in this country right now? Yes. So uh, I should highlight here that there is no ideal ratio between uh, number of electric vehicles and number of charging points. Uh, I think it would be a futile attempt to benchmark it. Uh, and that's why uh, there is another approach through which the charging requirement estimation can be done, which is more like uh, based on assessment of charging demand. So what you do, you take into account the profile of the EV stock. That means the share of different types of EVs or different form factors in the EV stock in the country. And you can also project it for the next you know, 10 years, or you can also align it with the government's targets, if any, okay? So you, you understand to say in the next 10 years, how many EVs of different types will come on road, okay? Then you take into account their, you know, daily driving requirements. How many kilometers every day each type of vehicles, uh, they, they kind of, you know, travel. And from there, you uh, try to estimate the, requirement of energy to make these trips using on-road vehicle fuel economy. It should not be like, you know, lab-tested fuel economy. It should be on-road fuel economy, which is the real performance of the vehicle. So this way you can assess the energy requirements. Then for different vehicle 
types. You assign a share of public charging that this percentage of the charging demand can be catered by public charging infrastructure. Say uh, for two and three wheelers, uh, for two and three wheelers, particularly for private uh, EVs, it would be lower. Say you know ten percent or fifteen percent. But for commercial EV fleets, which have higher daily duty cycles, which have higher dependence on public charging, their uh, you know share of public charging could be as high as sixty to seventy percent. So you plan then what type of charging solutions will help this you know different types of EV uh, EVs actually or EV fleets. Okay, and then there is another important factor which is. the capacity utilization of the charging infrastructure which means how many hours in a day a charging point is expected to be in operation or is expected to be in use so that capacity utilization factor needs to be taken into account and it 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 is um, it is a very dynamic parameter today you know there is a perception or you know there is a kind of an impression that utilization is about 15% 15 Uh, and it is expected to improve in the coming years as the number of EVs on road increases. Okay, so you consider certain uh, you know profile of capacity utilization over the years, and from there you can estimate the number of charging or charging points or charges of different types. Types means by power ratings and voltages which need to be deployed. to cater to the charging demand of the different ev fleets or ev uh, different types of electric vehicles so this is i would say a more a sound approach maybe uh, uh, and it's a bottom up approach actually instead of a top down approach um, so this is something uh, uh, i would recommend for uh, all the states and cities to you know kind of do this exercise actually on a periodic basis and then Uh, you know plan the implementation according to this so you can set the targets or you can create a road map based on this assessment so uh, as i mentioned that ev to ev ev to charging point ratio may not be the best way to understand the ideal requirement of chargers in a certain uh, location or city Yeah, actually, that's a that's a very good methodology to even map the demand, energy demand, which I think will be at the same time very important to note as more and more EVs come into picture. Is our grid uh, able enough to be able to do that? Because that is one of the questions, and especially in the residential sector, because assuming that more and more EVs are in, uh, so I think public also will come to, but uh, at least in the residential sector, if we have to check. currently a lot of buildings try to give one or two charging infrastructure in future if that increases to 10 to 15 charging infrastructure points what happens to the load demand for this kind of equation because that goes up pretty high in that case and that kind of affects the transformer capacity as well so how can that be managed into this whole system so this is a very uh, critical question and uh, there is no i would say uh, one size fits all approach or one single silver bullet actually to address this issue so as far as 
catering to the charging demand is concerned as well as the readiness of the grid is concerned in the in the present situation i think we have enough electricity availability to meet the charging requirements the challenge is uh, at the distribution level whether the distribution network is in in a proper health or has the available uh, surplus capacity to cater to this new demand new power demand now there are two ways to manage this charging demand one is a passive way which is uh, you employ uh, targeted ev charging tariffs so there is this uh, you know tariff design called time of day tariff so it is a kind of a dynamic tariff it varies with the time of the day so in the morning you have you may have a certain tariff in the evening you may have a different tariff so depending on the load profile discom is catering to the regulator can design an appropriate time of day tod tariff actually so that way you can i mean the discom can uh, flatten the load curve which will uh, improve the operational efficiency of the distribution network and also avoids overburdening the the grid or the distribution network so that way you maintain the health of the network so that is one so that is a kind of a passive way where you try to influence the charging behavior of ev users now there is an active way which is you try to modulate the charging speed of this chargers so you can ramp up or ramp down the charging speed based on the requirements based on the uh, power uh, demand at a certain point of time at a certain location you you rightly mentioned about the capacity of the distribution transformers to cater to the demand so you link the the you know the load on the distribution transformer with the actual uh, speed of the charger at which it is dispensing the electricity so it is a more dynamic way to kind of influence or control the the charging uh, speed so it is called it is uh, it is called active charging management or you can say it is a it's a direct control of the charging or the charger charging infrastructure so there are primarily two ways to manage the ev charging load now uh, this is on the charging infrastructure interventions targeted at the charging infrastructure but then uh, side by side the distribution network needs to be ramped up and the capacity of the distribution network is ramped up you have to evaluate periodically health of the distribution uh, uh, transformers whether you need to install a bigger transformer actually so there are actually uh, regulations on these aspects for example it mentions that if the if the peak load on the distribution transformer is uh, i mean it crosses 80% actually of the capacity rated capacity of the distribution transformer then the discom should start planning ramping up the capacity of the distribution transformer so there are set regulations now those need to be followed at every detail level it cannot be done sitting at uh, you know one uh, i would say uh, you know one nerve center actually you have to assess the health of the distribution transformer at the local level 
not at a macro level. So these are the ways by which we can make the distribution network or the grid ready to serve the new set of consumers. Absolutely. No, that's, that's quite fascinating to know as well. And uh, nudging behavior, uh, I think it's always with this new day and tech, uh, age and technology in it, I think nudging behavior can always work out as a very good option as well. And so now coming towards the public charging infrastructure, because we are more used to petrol pumps as of now, where you go five minutes, it's done, you get out. And that is where I do understand the demand of fast charging infrastructure that is required as well. So, but how can those be planned in cities? I can understand them very well on highways that you take a 20 minute break in that time you're charging it is done but what about in cities how can that be planned in a way that they don't because i i do remember cng when it came in every car used to take seven minutes ten minutes to get filled up completely you still causes huge lines on them how can we make sure that does not happen in any EV? Well, again this is a very uh, uh, apt question actually and uh, this could be uh, an emerging problem as uh, you know the penetration of EVs uh, increases in our country. So you know um, we have to think a bit out of box and not uh, the way we planned for IC vehicles. Okay, the planning has to be different in this case. So when so when you have an IC vehicle, you have to go to a fuel refilling station to fill the fuel tank, right? In electric vehicles, you have the opportunity to bring charging or electricity, the, 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 the carrier, the energy to your vehicle. You don't have to essentially carry your vehicle, your electric vehicle to a charging station. You can bring it closer to your place, closer to your parking lot, actually. So, what I suggest that uh, we should try to leverage the ubiquitous network of electricity distribution uh, available across our habitats. So you provide charging points at residential complexes, at, at workplaces, at parking lots, at uh, uh, market and entertainment hubs, Definitely some exclusive charging stations along arterial and sub-arterial you know, roads, uh, similar to fuel refilling stations. You can provide charging points on the curb side of a road. So that is called curb side charging. So there are different ways to meet the charging requirements of electric vehicles in a city. So not uh, necessary that you have to uh, create an exclusive, uh, you know, facilities for for charging the electric vehicles. And we should also keep in mind that it is seen that 70% uh, of the time, uh, most of these vehicles remain parked. So why not we utilize that time, the duration of the time uh, during which, you know, uh, this, these vehicles remain parked. So that's why, you know, Wherever these electric vehicles get parked, be at your place. So you can charge at your places in case you have the garage. That's why I, I mentioned residential complexes because that is more common way 
So you put charging points at residential complexes. You put charging points at your employer's offices. So you know you go to office, you charge your vehicle. You come back from office, you charge at night at your own place. Otherwise, you go to a parking lot, say the DMRC's parking lot or the municipality's parking lot. You have charging solution there. You charge your vehicle there. Or if you are parking by the uh, street, you use the curbside charging. So there are different ways to meet the charging requirement, which is very different from the way we used to refill our IC vehicles. So there are ways, and this, and, and I think you know, if we diversify these different ways to charge our electric vehicles, it would be possible to reduce that uh, the challenge of long queues at the say the, the fuel refilling stations or at charging stations i think it's possible and also i should add here that uh, battery swapping is also a potential charging solution especially for electric two wheelers and three wheelers so one of the merits of battery swapping is it reduces the vehicle idle time for charging so you just come with your ev you swap the, uh, you know, we can say uh, uh, almost exhausted battery at the swapping station. You swap with a fresh battery with full charge, and then you continue with your journey. It takes less than two minutes actually. So this is similar to you can say the operation at a fuel refilling station. So th this is also a potential solution to mitigate that challenge. That's, that's interesting and yeah it does make sense that okay well, we we have to maybe change the model of the business over here completely which is understandable and uh, that brings me to another thing and thought process that is the challenge that it brings is that now you all of a sudden need a much more robust grid infrastructure uh, which is uh, otherwise currently we are much more used to power cuts in the cities and all as well especially with the seasonal variations and everything. And that is one challenge that I can think of. What are the other challenges in scaling up such kind of public infrastructure? Because that would require, at least I can just think of grid, but from your point of view, what other challenges also do we need to take into account? Right. So um, there are other challenges to scaling up uh, deployment of public charging infrastructure. One is the availability of land at the right locations. So, you know, uh, to plan charging infra infrastructure, the city authorities need to do an assessment of the charging hotspots in a, in, in, in a certain city based on the traffic uh, profile and based on spatial analysis. So you identify the charging hotspots. But not necessarily you will have land parcels available at those charging hotspots actually. And also, even if the land is available, it may be available at a premium, which could be prohibitively expensive, especially when uh, the demand for charging is not very high uh, because, you know, there, there is, you know, still kind of you know handful of EVs on road i mean we haven't like thousands of EVs on roads when you go out right there are still a, there are, there is still only a handful of EVs so that means the charge the demand for charging service 
is low and the profitability of a charging business depends on the demand for charging service because you earn based on the amount of electricity you are able to dispense to the served electric vehicles okay that is your main income source now if the demand for charging is low your income also and the income of the charging service provider also is low okay and that may not make a business case to set up a public charging station at these locations where the say the land rental is high because it's a recurring expenditure so that is one challenge the other challenge is you might have found land parcels at this you know charging hotspots but it may not be necessary that you have the connectivity to the required distribution network especially high tension network so you have land parcels but maybe to get access to electricity connection it would be challenging actually or you may have to make additional investment so that is another part so because the two resources which are required to set up a public charging facility is one land for setting up and other is the electricity connection required electricity connection actually okay to energize the charging infrastructure so these i would say are two major challenges then another major challenge is the interagency coordination as you can see that on one hand you need land means you need active support from urban local bodies or agencies which have land parcels with them land owning agencies right and on the other hand you need support from the distribution utilities from the energy departments okay to provide the required connection and to access the charging hotspots you require support from the transport department so at least three departments as you can see would be required to to set up a public charging infrastructure or to set up a network of public charging infrastructure plus you know you need capital for investment and ideally you should try to attract private investment to avoid uh, burdening on the public expenditure or you know to minimize the dependence on public funding okay so there is a myriad of stakeholders involved in implementing public charging infrastructure and to me this interagency cooperation and coordination is a major roadblock as far as implementation is concerned in our country because we i think prefer to work in silos and in our own comfort zones we have to come out of that it's a new you know uh, set of mobility uh, mobility technology it has its own requirements so we have to build our capacity to understand those requirements and plan you know infrastructure accordingly for the coming years i think that is again a major challenge actually to scale up charging infrastructure in indian cities i agree i, agree. I think the uh, inter uh, stakeholder uh, coordination is one of the most uh, important part of it one thing i, I would also like to understand over here yes the land availability uh, access to grid infrastructure is important but uh, how are we looking at it from the point of view is business model that now instead of your iocl and bpcl all the state governments will be the sellers or are we looking at third party people 
trying to connect between these two or what is it as well as uh, currently we just have very simple thing you have a tank in which you have to fill petrol our charging infrastructure guidelines standardized on the lines of what plug needs to be even though if it's 1.5 kilowatt or 10 kilowatt or 50 kilowatt how are those things being thought of as of now right so um, as i mentioned uh, um, you know attracting private capital would be important to scale up implementation or rollout of public charging infrastructure this cannot be achieved just depending on public funding because that will overburden the country's public expenditure okay now you have rightly mentioned that lack of business case is is a major problem to attract private capital okay because they have to the investors have to recoup their investments in a certain time with a modest return now as i mentioned like high land rental uh uncompetitive electricity tariff uh because these two are you know kind of recurring expenditures plus a uh, pretty high upfront investment in setting up a charging infrastructure because you know these chargers are not really cheap uh plus you may need to install um ancillary electrical infrastructure or upstream electrical infrastructure infrastructure like distribution transformer which is also pretty expensive plus laying cables and trenching and all those so it's it's a uh, you know like a 10 lakh 20 lakh 30 lakh investment for each charging station which is quite high and because the demand for charging service is low because of the limited number of evs on road actually currently uh so the profitability is pretty much uncertain and you don't know what what is there in future actually whether you know the demand will pick up so that's why private investment is not really coming at the desired scale so what you know the government should do or other public agencies should do is to uh, explore ways to defray some of these cost components and there are ways and i am happy to share with you that uh, you know government has devised ways to you know reduce this cost to reduce the cash outflow so that you know uh, the, the the profitability improves so one way for example uh, in case of land rental uh, traditional land rental is fixed the land rental or land lease right so you pay on a monthly or on a half yearly basis or annual basis here you make land rental reflective of the actual utilization of the charging infrastructure so that is also called revenue sharing model say uh, the charging service provider or the operator will pay rupee 1 or rupees 1.5 for every unit of electricity that it is able to dispense for ev charging so if it is able to dispense more electricity that means its income goes up and so it it will have uh, more you know ability it will have higher ability to pay higher land rental okay in case the utilization of the charging infrastructure is low it will also have to pay lower land rental so the land rental becomes dynamic more kind of cost reflective rather than high static land rental that is one way the other way is you make 
the tariff for EV charging competitive. So many states, you might have heard that they have now extended preferential, preferential tariff for EV charging, which is also called EV tariff. So these EV tariffs are commonly much lower than the commercial or the industrial tariff. So, you know, your uh, expenditure comes down uh, quite significantly. So that is uh, another way to defray the cost. Plus, uh, many, uh, you know, uh, I mean, both at the center, I mean, through FEM2 uh, scheme, and as well as at the state level through different state EV policies, uh, financial supports are available to reduce the capital expenditure. So there is capital subsidy provided either by the center uh, under FEM2 scheme or uh, uh, by the states uh, as per their EV policies. So these subsidies can potentially help to reduce the upfront cost. So these are the three main ways uh, by which we can make the investment, uh, you know, at least an attractive proposition uh, for investors. So yeah. I think this is the way to scale up. No, I think that that's important to consider and that's good that we have some kind of uh, devices planned as well to make sure that this can actually turn out to be a huge success. And that brings me to the question of, uh, yes, it's good that we are going towards EV, but uh, we are still very highly coal dependent country. No doubt as of now, it hardly matters because uh, there's not too much of EV penetration. But going forward, even with 50% of energy coming from renewable energy and hopefully more, and by 2070, we are targeting uh, net zero. Does it really, uh, can, uh, will we be able to shift for vehicles that much as well, quicker than that target of 2070 that we have? So uh, I, I should uh, underline here that uh, at present, electric mobility or the electric vehicles in India have a carbon footprint, as you rightly mentioned, uh, because most of these EVs are charged with uh, you know the electricity provided by the discoms, which you know we essentially we call grid electricity. And we know that uh, lion's share of the power is sourced from fossil fuel-based thermal uh, power. Okay. So that means it has a carbon footprint. But we should also keep in mind that uh, you know, a major benefit from this transition from IC vehicles to electric mobility is the reduction of uh, you know, the pollutants. So you know, we are all aware of the crisis of uh, very poor air quality in Indian cities. And these electric vehicles, they don't have any smoke. There is no tailpipe emission. So from the health benefit point of view, electric vehicles have a major positive impact. Having said that, we should make attempt to integrate renewable energy with EV charging. National level progress on decarbonizing grid electricity is as much important as local actions or measures to provide uh, or supply renewable energy to charge these electric vehicles. But there are challenges. 
So, so you know, when we are talking about uh, RE supply for EV charging, other than grid electricity, we are talking about on-site renewable energy generation. So you put solar panels on the parking lots. That is the, the, and this is already done. There are several cases even in India where these charging bays are converted to renewable energy based ports actually. So you have solar panels on the top. So they act as the shade also. So you generate the renewable energy, uh, solar based renewable energy at the site to you know charge the electric vehicles. But the challenge is uh, how you match the demand or the charging requirements with the supply. And this matching has to be done both at the amount of energy level, at, at, I mean, uh, the amount of electricity you require to charge the electric vehicles that can be supplied through on-site RE generation. So that is one challenge. So th there has to be a matchmaking here. The other matchmaking which has to be done is when the energy is available, because most of the electric vehicles, they get charged during the evening and night time. But you cannot produce solar energy during that time, unfortunately, right? Uh, unless you install battery energy storage at the site, so you store renewable energy, which is not utilized during the daytime, and then you know use it during the evening time. But till now, and I think even uh, till the near, uh, near future, this would be pretty expensive. The battery cost hasn't come down to that level, which will make it cost effective. Okay. So this option may not be a viable option, this battery energy storage. But then certain electricity regulations can be leveraged to uh, achieve maximum utilization of the on-site RE generation. So there are regulatory provisions like net metering, gross metering, net billing, and there are other variants through which uh, one can do some, some kind of banking of the unutilized renewable energy and uh, kind of arbitrage of the energy. So when you are not utilize, utilizing the generated electricity, you uh, kind of export to the discom or export to the distribution network or the grid. And when you require that energy uh, during the consumption time or when there is the demand, you kind of uh, import that back. So you, you balance that way actually. So this is more like banking and uh, trading. So there are regulations which support these mechanisms, but unfortunately, these regulations are not uniform across the country. They vary from state to state. Some states, they support these mechanisms, but other states, they may not be that supportive. And then for uh, bigger charging stations or bigger charging hubs, you have the option for open access. So through open access, you can get renewable energy to charge the electric vehicles. Again, the effectiveness of this open access based, uh, you know, uh, in a renewable energy supply depends on the applicable regulations. And these regulations, again, vary from state to state. So there are mechanisms to uh, increase the share of renewable energy in EV charging. But I must admit that at present, 100% RE-based EV charging may not be really practically feasible or scalable. I mean, one can do certain pilots using battery energy storage and all those, but these models may not be stable, uh, scalable 
uh, at this point of time. Yeah, that's uh, that's good to know, and I think that uh, does bring us to the expectation management as well, because sometimes that's also very important in developing where do we actually want to go forward as well, and uh, on those lines, like what would be a good implementation case, or let's not even say that, what would be a successful charging infrastructure look like in twenty thirty as of now, of how we are proceeding ahead, uh, so that we understand after that how can we scale it up further. Uh, so you know, uh, during our conversation, we highlighted or we uh, kind of come we have come to know about several challenges, right? So by 2030, we should try to overcome those challenges or address those challenges. Okay. So one way, for example, you mentioned, uh, you know, the impact on grid, whether the grid will be able to uh, cater to the charging demand. so we need smart charges which can be directly controlled which would be grid friendly so the charging solutions should be grid friendly and this uh, i anticipate to happen by 2030 or beyond that because this is essential and this would be one of the key success factors actually our metrics the other is uh the charging should be uh i would say uh, safe we have recently heard several incidents of you know uh, electric vehicles uh, catching fire right so what i generally say is the charging infrastructure the charging solution should not fry the electric vehicles and their and the ev users and uh, and on the other hand this charging infrastructure should not fry the grid so it should be friendly to both the electric vehicle as well as the grid because these are the two main interfaces the success of charging infrastructure will definitely depend on this and then you know and and that's why the role of smart charging would be important also i uh, foresee that uh, most of these chargers would be dc based you might have heard that there are ac chargers and dc chargers now i mean this is kind of my prognosis that the charging infrastructure for the future or the in the future should be dc based because that would reduce the requirement of large onboard chargers in the electric vehicles because essentially to charge a battery you require dc power so either you provide dc power directly through the charger which we call dc chargers or you utilize the ac power from the grid using ac chargers and then you convert ac to dc in through your onboard charger in the vehicle which is i think more, less efficient uh, and also it adds uh, cost and weight to the electric vehicle so if we gradually migrate to dc charging uh, at a large scale this problem can be addressed actually and also it will help to achieve faster ev charging since you know you are converting uh, the ac power to dc in your ev it it's a slow process actually because the power rating of the onboard charges is smaller so if you kind of dcify the charging infrastructure the the charging sessions would be faster but definitely the batteries have to be compatible Uh, there is a metric called uh, you know uh, the c rate of a battery 
So C rate is, is you can say is analogous to the appetite of a battery to to uh, to accept energy. So the battery chemistry has to improve because they have to talk to each other. You cannot just um, include sophisticated charging solutions without improving the battery technology. So the improvements on this front should go hand in hand. So this is what I I want to see by 2030 actually. Uh, and then definitely we can reach a kind of a stable uh, charging landscape. And definitely, I mean, uh, and just to add, uh, uh, which I, I mentioned at the beginning, that a large network of visible, accessible, and affordable charging infrastructure is is the backbone of electric mobility. So that anyway has to be achieved, plus with these sophistications actually. So this uh, ideally should define the landscape of charging infrastructure by 2030. Okay, I think that's that's very important, and I think uh, one of the second last question that I would like to picture is on the lines of there has always been a lot of thought around the lines that uh, developing electric vehicles as a battery bank itself and that brings in a lot of IoT systems as well on board. Is that possible to have some sort of those things in India considering the amount of stakeholders involved in such things would be huge as well as the amount of ownership of things that is it possible to have something like that in India as well, so that we can stabilize the grid? It has its own set of benefits uh, in itself. Sure, sure. So, I mean, you know, we need reskilling, uh, capacity building of our engineers, of our technicians, because as I mentioned, that electric mobility is a very different format of uh, transport. It's a, it's a, it is based on a different technology platform. So involvement of IoT, um, then power electronics, these are very crucial actually. And uh, I think uh, the government should focus on reskilling, on capacity building on these lines actually, because that will help to, uh, you know, kind of fill the skill gap, you can say, or, or the knowledge gap, because if I mean, if we look towards 2030, imagine the number of electric vehicles on the road in India, the the number of charging points we'll see around us, plus the interactions between the charger, the vehicle, the grid, and you never know. I mean, how many interactions will will kind of get involved actually. So you know, we uh, as practitioners need to be prepared to face those kind of circumstances, to avoid any, you know, any negative impact on any of the system components. So system components could be the vehicle, the charging infrastructure, the grid, you know, the, the transport network uh, at large. So I think, you know, uh, this is an important area and, uh, you know, uh, we should channelize our effort, our energy to develop this new set of skills. And also, you know, uh, you, you, you mentioned that you know, the role of renewable energy. So how this integration can also happen, this also should be explored. Plus, I should also highlight, I mean, this is also kind of uh, in relation to your earlier question, the, the 2030 landscape. Electric vehicles, since they have essentially the batteries, 
they can be utilized as flexible grid resources. So, you know, there is this concept called V2X. So it could be vehicle to grid, it could be vehicle to home, or it could be vehicle to anything. So that's why it's V2X actually. So by 2030, uh, I want some, you know, major projects on these solutions actually, where electric vehicles not just act as uh, a mode of transport, they also become a resource to the power system. And this way, we can make our power system more efficient, more cost-effective, and more responsive to dynamic situations, actually. So, yeah, I mean, this. So it is a very dynamic, very complex system. And I think uh, in the next uh, five, 10 years, we should gradually kind of, you know, catch up, actually, with the emerging technologies and solutions. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with it, and I think that brings us to the last question. Because of this complexity, it is very exciting to see as well. Uh, what are the skill sets required to make sure that we can have this kind of EV charging infrastructure in India? So, um, uh, as we can see, that you know there is involvement of IoT, there is involvement of this uh, precision equipments, uh, high electronic equipments, actually. Uh, and high capacity, uh, high capacity electrical machinery. The role of power electronics or in engineers with power engineers with background in power electronics, technicians with background in IoT, uh, technicians with you know ability in instrumentation. We have this you know engineering course called instrumentation in our engineering colleges. So these engineers or these professionals. I think would be playing a major role in the coming years because there will be hurdles, there will be challenges while we scale up and we need this set of uh, manpower with this kind of you know, skill set to kind of address those challenges and, and to you know come out with new types of solutions actually. So definitely power electronics, uh, instrumentation, electrical engineering, these would be uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, very important subjects, uh, which also need to be, I would say, modernized. The way uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, undertaken these courses actually in last uh, uh, 20, 30 years, they need to be updated because this these technologies are new. These things were never captured in those courses in the past, right? So we need to update these programs so that you know the upcoming engineers remain prepared. To handle this, you know, new uh, set of equipments. Absolutely, I think that's a, that's a very important thing, and those specific engineers will play a key role in making sure that we can have the systems in place as well. Uh, thank you so much. It was amazing talking to you and understanding this field in such a good depth, uh, because this is something that we also thought that we were covering a lot of transport topics, a lot of uh, other topics. We're missing out on something that's just currently picking up and that is why uh, contributing to this, this really helped us understand it in a bigger and better perspective. Thank you so much. Shamshish. Thank you, Puneet. Thanks a lot. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and follow us on all social media channels. 
For more details about the Climate Center for Cities and registration on Climate Practitioners India Network, click on the link in the show notes. The episode is conceptualized and produced by Punit Gandhi. A big thank you to the whole team at C-Cube and NIUA for supporting the development of the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.